Becoming mature is not a destination, it's a process. At Cornerstone, I'm helping this spiritual process in many different ways. That's what I love about this place. You could have just made a decision for Christ or have been a Christ follower for 20 years. Cornerstone can help you mature. Cornerstone won't be satisfied until we all look like Jesus. Hey, uh, I am sporting the I Love My Church t-shirt. I got to admit, I am not a t-shirt kind of a guy, so this is a big deal for me. I thought, well, maybe, maybe if I tucked it in in the front like Rick does, maybe that would make me look a little cooler. Maybe not. Okay, so, uh, uh, but we are in a series, like you guys have probably figured out, uh, it's called I Love My Church, and uh, what we're spending the next uh, few weeks together doing is just saying, what, you know, what is it? What is it about this place that's made it the place that you and I love to come to? Why does this building fill up Sunday after Sunday, service after service? What's, what's going on in this place? And on the one side, just need to absolutely give God credit, because you get uh, that he has just simply placed his favor here, and what is happening is surely his work. But you also get this doesn't necessarily happen everywhere, and so what we've been saying out loud is, you know, part of that, I think, is you and I being ready for the favor of God. You and I saying, look, we're going to do what is necessary so that God can bless in our lives. And so we went back and said, what are those things that you and I do that maybe are a little different, maybe a little unique from some of the places that we've been in the past, some of the other experiences that we've had? What is it that makes us a place that you and I love to be at on Sundays? Last week, we talked about what I think one of huge value, and it's this idea of risk, because you get that most naturally in our lives, you and I are adverse to risk. We, we, we're looking for comfort. You and I are looking for safety. And that translates into our churches, too, that so often within church, we just go, look, look, that, that just looks a little reckless. I mean, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? I mean, that'd get us out on the thin line of churchdom. And yet, here's the interesting thing that we discovered together. Every single story in Scripture that you and I love, every great Bible story is a story about God taking someone and inviting them to risk with him. Every one of the stories, Daniel in the lion's den, Gideon in the 300, every Bible story is about a Christian who took a risk on God. And so what we came back and says, look, if you follow Christ, you just need to get ready for this. It is a life that will cause you to sacrifice. It is a life that will bring you to moments where you say, I cannot possibly do that thing. And that you and I have got to accept within our hearts and within our lives and ready and within our church that following God means this. He will over and over and over again bring you and I to moments that say, I know this looks scary. I know that this doesn't add up on paper. Will you trust me? Will you risk with me? And here's what we discovered. The greatest things that ever happen for God always happen on the other side of risk. And so we just said, look, we're just going to be a church that when God asks, no matter how big the risk, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do, we'll do that. We'll do what others are unwilling to do as we follow Christ. Today we're just going to tackle this idea of maturity. And you need to know that one of our heart values here is that you and I grow up to be fully committed, fully devoted followers of Christ, wildly mature. Matter of fact, one of the things that we've said is, that our hope is that when you meet people who don't even go to church, people who didn't attend Cornerstone, they don't attend anywhere else, 
And if you were to ask them and say, hey, I'm new to town, where should I go to church? That their response would be something like this. I, you know, I really don't know for sure because I don't go to church myself. But here's the deal. I've run into some of those people from Cornerstone. And if there was ever a group of people who was dingy in the head, no, I mean, if there was ever a group of people who lived their faith, those Cornerstone people lived their faith. They're real Christians there. And so we just said, look, we want that to be part of who we are, that you and I are growing up wildly in our maturity, being more and more like Jesus Christ. But you guys get, this isn't easy. It's a lot easier to put my spiritual life in cruise control, and, and maturity is a hard thing to do. And it's why so many Christians just don't get mature. It's easier to go with the flow in my Christian life. But here's what you need to, if you and I don't get anything else today, we need to get this. Not being mature brings all sorts of problems in life. It's, it's a big deal to choose to be a lifelong baby Christian. It will come back, it will come back, it will come back. How many men in the room today would just be honest and say, okay, look, uh, I know this isn't politically correct, but when I'm in a room and some woman I don't know is nursing a baby in the room, that, that just feels a little weird. How many of you guys will admit that? Okay, good. The rest of you, uh, you're liars, but that's okay. It's just, it's just, it's a little bit of an awkward moment if you're a guy. But more than that, been in a room when some gal is nursing her child only to discover that that child is four. I mean, you start to have a conversation with her, and now the child is turning and answering the questions. I, I don't know about you, but I walk out of that type of room. Here's, here's exactly what comes out of my mouth. That kid is going to have problems. Because, because, you ready for this? That kid is completely content to act like an infant. Bad on him, bad on her. But more than that, their mom is willing to let that child continue to be infantile. Maturity apparently is not a value. Somewhere, somewhere, guys, right? If you and I don't grow up, if you and I don't mature, it comes back to haunt. This isn't, this isn't an optional item in a Christian's life. Years ago, I'm sitting at a family gathering, and you know how that goes. You get done with all the eating. Everyone's sitting around. We're all uh, regretting how much we ate. And in the process of that, we're having you know, a family conversation, and uh, someone who was there attending, and we'll just call her Kim uh, to protect the guilty, uh, Kim uh, begins to say out loud, hey, I just figured this thing out. It's really, really cool. Uh, if you ever get a chance, you can do the same thing. Uh, I'm having to fill out some forms for the government, and uh, I figured out that if I check this box, and then if I add this sentence, I save a $50 fee. A couple of people in the room said, well, Kim, that's not completely accurate, though. I mean, the way you're describing to fill out that box, I mean, that's not completely truthful, is it? And Kim goes, well, you know, sort of it is. You know, if you squint your eyes enough, you know, I, sort of it is. And so what happened in the conversation is that several of us kind of joined in and said, you know, Kim, you probably can't do that. I know it saves you 50 bucks, but you, for integrity's sake, as a Christian, you, you probably can't do that. 
And, and in, in the course of the conversation, almost the room in unanimity was beginning to say, look, that's probably not what you ought to be doing. And Kim is getting more and more upset. So picture this, 22-year-old young lady suddenly turns to the room and says, I knew it, I knew it, you all hate me. You never listen to anything I say. Stomps out of the room, 22 years old, stomps out of the room, slams the door behind her. Everybody in the room just kind of looked around and went, was that just like five years old or what? I mean, that was, wow. A little later, Lisa and I were talking, and I said to Lisa, I said, you realize there's more at stake here than just a conversation about filling out a form. If Kim spends the rest of her life dealing with conflict that way, dealing in the moments in her life when people are speaking into her and trying to tell her truth and they love her and they're not attacking, if she spends the rest of her life dealing with conflict that way, like a five-year-old, you get that's going to show up in her marriage. You get that when she's at work and her boss says something she doesn't like, you get that's not going to serve her well to react like five. And here's the deal, guys. Maturity, maturity undone, maturity neglected, it'll come back and haunt you. It'll, it'll affect other areas of your life. And let me just throw this out. Is it possible today that the very areas of your life where you're stalled, the very areas of your life that seem to just be repetitive, repetitive, repetitive struggle and failure and banging your head against the wall and not making it any further, you seem to get out of the ditch and next thing you know you're back in there. Is it possible? Is it possible that that struggle is actually identifying an area of your life that has not been brought into maturity yet? I'm just asking. Is it possible it's a maturity issue? So here's what I'm going to do. We're just going to take a look today at a passage of Scripture that just absolutely calls you and I to move forward in this area of maturity. It challenges us to do it, and in the process of it, I think it sheds a whole bunch of light on this topic of maturity. So grab your Bibles, go with me real quick. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. If you're not familiar this morning, uh, Hebrews is going to be kind of toward the back of your Bible. Work to the left, don't go too fast. Hebrews is not really a really big book. You can get past it. Hebrews chapter 5. And the author of Hebrews is having this discussion about maturity. Hebrews chapter 5. We'll start together in verse 11. Here's what it says. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. He goes, look, we've already done this together. You, you've already been in this class before. You've already, the truth is, you've had enough time that not only should you know this, you should know this so well that you're helping others with it. You're teaching the next group coming behind by now. Instead, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over. Again, he goes, look, this is, this is elementary. This is like grade school spiritually, guys. And, and it's like we're repeating grade school. This is basic, basic stuff. And man, we, you, you, we should be so far beyond this. 
You need milk, not solid food. <laughs> you guys are still breastfeeding. You're, you're four-year-olds, and you're breastfeeding. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teachings about righteousness. Look, you just, you can't stay there. This, this isn't optional. You ready? But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. Because look, maturity is about learning this stuff and then putting it into practice. You've got you to start living this stuff out in your life through constant use. You'll grow up. I know it's hard. I know you stumble at the beginning. But if you keep at it, you'll figure this out and you'll grow up. The first time you tried to walk, it was hard. The first time you tried to ride a bike, you fell. But if you stay at it. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's an interesting phrase that begins the whole passage. It's, it's back in verse 12. Verse 12 says this. In fact... Though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be so much further than this by now. Hey, you get, you, you get that Jesus, when before the world was ever created, before you were ever born, looked at you, knew you were going to make a decision for Christ, knew you were going to be about nine years old, you were going to be 20 years He knew exactly when you would come to faith. He knew exactly the circumstances of your life. And from that moment on, from the moment you first put your trust in Jesus, He had a plan. He had a plan that involved you and me growing up, getting mature, getting stronger in our faith. And, and the reality is, He would say, look, I know exactly where you should be by now. You've been a Christian for two years. I, I know exactly where I was hoping to get you, what I was trying to do, what you should have learned by the time you were a two-year-old Christian. You, you, you've been a Christian for 17 years. I know exactly where we were supposed to be, ready, by now. The interesting thing is, is the author here has to say, by now, the problem is you're back here breastfeeding. You're, there is such a huge gap in where, you, where you're supposed to be spiritually and where you are by now. You get that the very heart of God aches for his children to grow up, to, to be like Jesus. That's his, that's his heart's desire, is that you and I grow in our faith, become mature. A couple years back, actually Josh was about nine, so that's like a hundred years ago. Uh, I'm walking through the kitchen, and Josh has brought home an assignment from school. Uh, he had to read a short story and do a report on it, and uh, he got a B plus. I looked at it and uh, thought to myself, you know what? I bet with a little bit of help from his old man, he could have gotten an A. 
So I started reading his report. I'm going to give him a pointer or two, help him out. It was a short story about a, a, a kind of a little colony, and the, they were going through kind of the Salem witch trial type of stuff, and they were identifying witches, and then they were hanging them on the gallows, and what they were doing is they were going to people who had been accused of being a witch, and they said to him, look, here's the deal. You've been accused of being a witch. If you confess, then we will simply put a big sign over the top of your front door that says, has confessed to being a witch. People won't do business with you anymore. Uh, you'll be ostracized from the community, but you'll live. If you deny being a witch, then we'll know that you're lying, and we'll kill you. So one day they came to a man living in the village, and they said to him, hey, you've been accused. Either confess, we'll put the sign over your door, you'll be ostracized from the village, but you get to live. Deny, we'll know your line, we'll kill you. Here's the problem. The man was a born-again believer. He wasn't a witch at all. And yet in that moment, he said, look, if I confess then it, you're, you're asking me to lie. In other words, you're asking me to admit to something that I have not done. I'll break the hearts of my family. I'll have friends who, you know, and I haven't done this. If I deny it, you're going to kill me. And so he goes back to the town leaders and he says, look, I, I just, I'm, not, I'm not a witch. Matter of fact, I'm a Christ follower. and I, I, I just have to, I haven't done this thing. And so they do exactly what they said they were going to do, and they kill him for denying being a witch. My son then goes on in his book report to say, you know, the stakes aren't probably as high today as that. But you and I get asked a hundred times to compromise our integrity, to tell whatever lie, whatever little bit of false truth it takes to get to the other side. And he said, the moral of the story, the lesson of the story is that a man can never give away his integrity, no matter how much it costs. Nine years old. I want you to know I sat there as a dad, I went, B plus, that's an A, that's an A paper. What's wrong with that teacher? I spent the rest of the month, I'm Josh's dad. You get deep down in the heart of every parent is for their kids to grow up, to become full-fledged adults, able to live in this culture and live in this time and make the right decisions and raise one day our grandkids. And your heavenly father aches just as much for his children to grow up, to be mature, which brings you and I to a great question. By now, by now, where should you be? Now look, I, I get it in this room. I, I get in this room, we've got a lot of just brand new baby Christians. And, 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 and if you're just brand new, if this is all just, probably doesn't apply to you a lot. And we've got some people in this room who aren't even Christians yet. You're, you're pre-Jesus. You're just trying to figure th this thing out, and it surely doesn't apply to you. But there's a bunch of us in the room See, we, we've been a Christian for a year or two. 
And so it's a valid question. You go, by now, by the time you've been a Christian or a year or two, where should we be? How far along in maturity should I be by now? See, some of us have been Christians for five and six and seven years. And by now, by now, some of us have been Christians for 17, 18, 20 years. So let me just ask you, by now, where, where would Jesus say, look, I, 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 I saw you when you came to me, I knew what was going, and I had the plan, and I was going to grow you up, and this is where I was going to take you, and by now, this is where I would hope you would be. And if, and if you and I had to do that honestly, if you and I had to come over here and say, well, you know, just being truthful, where would you have to place the comb? By now. It's a great question, isn't it? Let's go back to the passage. <laughs> He says, by now, you, you shouldn't be having people teaching you this. By now, you, you ought to actually be teachers. And then in verse 13, here's what he says. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Here's, he's going, look, look, I can't judge a heart. I can't tell you for sure how mature somebody is or how mature somebody is. I, I, I don't know. But here's what I can do. I can watch how they live. And if, and if you're still drinking milk, if you're a 10, 11, 12-year-old and you're still drinking milk, I know you're not mature. I know you're not, I know you're not anywhere close to where you ought to be by now. So let's, let me ask you this. What does maturity look like? I mean, if you and I are going to go there, if you and I are going to begin to move forward in this, what would it look like to be mature? I mean, if that's what we're aiming for and if that's where we're trying to get, what would it look like to be mature followers of Jesus Christ? What will it be if we get closer to this? Here you go. Here's what you're going to see happening in our lives. Mature believers, you ready for this? Mature believers do what they know. Mature believers, let me say this again, mature believers do what they know. Now, guys, this is surprising because for so long in our lives, we have, we have measured maturity by how much someone knows. In other words, we say, look, if, 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 if you can quote a couple Bible verses, well, then you must be mature. If, if you can give the right Bible answer at the right and appropriate moment, you must be mature. You realize, you realize half the answers are all Jesus, right? You know, if you're sitting in Sunday school, who walked on water? Jesus. Who fed the 5,000? Jesus. You get 50% just right there. And for all too long, guys, we have measured maturity by how much head knowledge somebody has. And you just, nothing could be further from the truth. For years, I uh, had some furniture in my office, and every time people came walking into my office, they would say to me, oh, man, that is just amazing furniture. It's so beautiful. And every time they would do that, I would laugh. You know why? It was press board. And just below the surface, there, it was just corrugated wood. 
Matter of fact, if you leaned against my desk, it was a piece of junk. And matter of fact, every time you bumped my desk, the veneer would come right off. See, there's, there's a whole bunch of Christians out there that have got a ton of head knowledge. And everybody goes, woo, how beautiful. You've just learned the act. You've just learned how to raise your hand and say, Jesus. And boy, a little trouble come in your life, a little bit of problem, and you'll be exposed for the press board Christian that you are. Years ago, I was serving in a church that believed the more Bible knowledge you give someone, the more spiritual they are. So they had a program for the kids where they would just literally pump these kids to memorize verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And look, don't get me wrong, you want to memorize scripture. There's going to be a moment in your life, you're going to be thrilled that you know the Bible answer and that you know what scripture says about that topic. But here's what you can't get confused. Knowing scripture is not maturity. So I'm walking uh, through the lobby one day, and there's this big plaque in this church. And what they did, every single year, they would take the kid who had memorized the most scripture, and they would engrave their name right there in the lobby so that everybody could see, this is our spiritual kid. Interestingly enough, I walked over, looked at uh, the name on the plaque, and the last two kids to win the award, worst kids in my whole youth group, but they knew verses, worst dating lives, biggest amounts of compromise, horrible anger issues, but they knew verses. They probably could have quoted you verses about anger. They just weren't living any. I almost hesitate to to use this example, but I think it helps us get there. How many of you guys remember a couple years back, and Ted Haggard and all the stuff that got exposed in his life? He's leading one of the most thriving churches in America. Uh, he's the head of like the Christian Family Coalition, and then it gets exposed that he's doing drugs and he's seeing a male prostitute. How, how many of you guys remember that? I can tell you right now, I guarantee you, Ted Haggard could have quoted you 40 verses on why that lifestyle was wrong. See, maturity isn't how many verses I know. It's how many I live. And the reality is the gap between what I know and what I do is called hypocrisy. And the greatest disappointment that anyone will ever have in your life is when you quote your verses and pretend to be this and live your life here. Because quoting verses is not maturity. It's what I live that marks my maturity. 
Which means, guys, I'm just going to say to you out loud, if you're in 30 Bible studies and you're learning tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of Bible, but you're only living a little bit of Bible, stop it. Start living what you know, then go back to Bible study. Because this is hypocrisy. Second thing, second attribute of a mature Christian. Mature Christians have movement in their lives. Mature Christians are constantly moving forward. If you run into a mature Christian, here's what I can tell you right now. If they have a pause in their life, that pause is incredibly brief because mature Christians are absolutely committed to constantly closing this gap, to constantly getting closer and closer to Jesus Christ. Here's what happens. I'm going to look better in my t-shirt next week. All right. Uh, you and I, as we're doing this, this journey with Christ, see, here's a, Jesus is constantly dealing with issues in our life. So you, you and I are starting out, and he goes, look, um, we're going to start with your anger. And you probably said, oh, I get that. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. When I came to Christ, I, I knew I've got an anger problem. I, I, I knew we're going to deal with this. It, it's first, but okay, we'll do that. And once you kind of got through that and once you learned that, then you get what Jesus did. He moved you and me on to the next lesson. And suddenly Jesus said, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to deal with pride. I'm not proud. No, you are. You're proud. And pride's making you stumble and pride's a problem. And you began to work on that lesson together. Then he said, okay, so next, next we're going to do honesty. We're going to let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. And you've spent a lifetime cutting corners and telling white lies. And you and I probably said, well, okay, I, I probably could work on honesty. And then came the next one. And I don't know what this one was for you. All I know is it terrified us. You know, maybe it was our marriage, or maybe it was our finances, or maybe it was lust. I, I don't know. But you and I looked at it and we said, God, look, no, 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 no. Let's, let's not deal with that. Let's, let's deal with any other topic in my, I'm just not ready. I was, I was hoping I would be, this would be like five, six years from now before, I knew we were going to, but not now, not yet. So God, look, could we, could we deal with this one instead? Could we do, you know, I'm really bad at church attendance. I don't know if you knew that, God. So if we, could, if we could do that one, if we could just work on that instead. You get what his answer is going to be, don't you? No. See, I, I know where I'm taking you. I know where you should be by now. And that one's next, which leaves you and me in a terrifying moment. 
And you and I have got to decide what we're going to do. And here's what all too many of us have done. I'm going to wait you out, God. I'm going to go in my room and pout until you change your mind. Because I'm not working on that. And we have absolutely stalled our Christian walk. See, there are some of us in this room right now, you haven't moved, we haven't moved a step in maturity in forever because we know exactly what it is that God wants next and we don't like next and we're not going to do next until God changes his mind and we're stuck. You want to hear the scary part? And now I've been a Christian 10 years and where I ought to be and now I've been a Christian 12 years and where I ought to be. And now I've been a Christian 20 years and where I ought to be. And we're stuck. And here's what you need to hear. Mature Christians don't push pause on God. Mature Christians don't say no. Mature Christians get that this following Jesus is hard and it's dying to myself and that every single step is a process of saying, look, this is who I used to be and I've got to take some of that off of me and it's about becoming more like Jesus and putting some of that on me and that hurts and it's hard, but I will not push pause. Mature Christians you'll see movement in their lives. Third attribute. Mature Christians have remarkable stability. See, mature Christians face circumstances and you go, how in the world are they doing? Mature Christians are the rocks in the room. And look, 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 look. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that a mature Christian never needs to lean on another Christian. I'm not saying that a mature Christian never needs help. I'm just saying this. Mature Christians stay on track and they're stable. You and I have all met that Christian who, hey, first three months of following Jesus, then all of a sudden something hard came, something scary came, some friend invited them to the wrong place. And then they live like crud for six months and all of a sudden they're back at church. They do that for about four or five months, and all of a sudden they have to go skiing on the weekend, and other stuff gets in the way, and they get distracted. It's not the mark of a mature Christian. Mature Christians will be the stable, solid ones in the room. I think think you and I have had an amazing example of this. Remember last Sunday? uh, Brian Wurzel stood up on this very stage, and he said, hey, really, 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 really cool Sunday. Ryan and Danielle Axtell had a baby. And some of you that haven't been following the story, that moment may have passed you by and you not got it, but it was just a little over a year ago that Ryan and Danielle were pregnant. And in the midst of that pregnancy, there were problems. There was stuff going on. And they came back to Danielle and they said, look, this baby's got major problems. And one of two things is probably going to happen here. You're either going to end up that this child dies in the womb or if this child actually goes full term probably going to spend their entire life 
on a respirator in a hospital bed. There's that much damage done. And sure enough, the word came back, and they said to Daniel, Daniel, the, the baby has died. The thing is, you're far enough along, you're full enough term, you're going to have to deliver this just like a regular baby. 25 years old. And I'll just tell you, as a staff, we sat there in that moment, we just said, man, we, we, better, we better rally around this. I mean, this could shipwreck a couple's faith. They're 25. How do you do this? And I'm just going to tell you that in that moment, Danielle and Ryan were like rocks. You would go to minister to them, and they would minister to you. In the midst of this, Ryan writes an album, you ready, about God's faithfulness. And look, I can't judge hearts, I can't, I, I, but here's what I can tell you. We watched an amazing young couple. That, that by all accounts, by all accounts, where 25-year-olds should be by now, and they lived way beyond their years. And guys, that doesn't mean they arrived. That it just means that, man, for 25-year-olds, you guys are living in remarkable maturity in your life. So here's the question. If you and I got serious, if you and I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to grow. We're going to move this thing forward. We're going to get mature. What does that take? You want to hear the answer? Work. Nobody ever got mature by accident. Matter of fact, look at the passage again real, real quickly. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. And here's how they got to be mature. Listen to this. Who by constant use and training themselves... You don't do, you're not going to wake up one day and go, how did that happen? I know my whole Bible. I went to sleep, an absolute spiritual idiot. I woke up a spiritual genius. How did that happen? Man, I used to be a lousy follower. I'm a fully devoted follower. I, overnight. Guys, no. You ever seen somebody who dieted and lost like 80 pounds? And you ever walked up and gone, how'd you do that? You already know how they did that. There was a day in their life when they said, I'm tired of being overweight. I'm going to make a different decision. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to work at this. And they stopped eating as much, and they started exercising. They did whatever it took to move them in the right direction. It's almost insulting. Can you imagine saying to someone, you lost eating? Did it just fly away? Did you just wish it gone? And guys, if you and I are going to get mature, you and I are going to have to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a commitment to this by over and over and over going. I'm going to, you ready? I'm going to close the gap. What would that look like? You and I have got all sorts of opportunities in this place to grow up, to mature. And it means simply this. You've got to put yourself in a room where you're hearing what you don't know yet, and then you've got to leave that room committed to doing what you haven't done yet. Maturity. So let me tell you some rooms where you can hear what you don't know yet. When you came in, you guys got these cards today. Our church does more for maturity than almost any church I've ever been around. And here's, here's some of those opportunities for you. There's small groups. 
Small groups is an amazing place that you can go with about five or six other families, learn Bible, build relationships with other Christians. They care when you go to the hospital. They're going to call you when you miss. It's Bible and community. There are small churches. All along that hallway on that side today, there are rooms of 40 to 60 people meeting, learning God's Word, and they're learning it in community. The cool part is you could come on Sunday, go to this service, go over there, and you would have already fulfilled your commitment to maturity. Small churches. The mine. Every Tuesday night in this room, we do an in-depth Bible study that's probably Bible college level. I mean, if you just want to learn Bible for the sake of learning Bible, this room Tuesday nights, you'll get Bible. Women's. There are a bunch of gals in our church who say, look, there's things I need to talk about. There's things I, my husband doesn't want to come to the room. I don't want my husband to come to the room. Women's, okay? And men's just the same. Men's, I, I think one of the hardest things to do in our culture right now is be a godly man in today's culture. And we have men's Bibles that are nothing about how do you be a godly man in a world gone wrong. Men's Bible studies. Guys, you and I are not suffering for lack of opportunity. You and I are struggling for lack of doing in our lives. So here's my question. By now, where should you be? I mean, if, if, if you were just going to honestly ask Jesus today and say, look, you know, I, I've been a Christ follower for the last six years, and Jesus, by now, where were you hoping I would be? And then with honesty, where are you? <laughs> where are you compared to where you should be by now? And here's what I'm going to challenge us to do today. What if this entire room, what if every adult at Cornerstone simply said, I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm going to begin to go further, and I'm going to begin to get there faster. What would that be for you? What would it take for you to just today make a commitment that says, look, I'm going to begin to go further, and I'm going to begin to go faster than I've been going. Well, what would, that, what would you have to do to do that? And would you do that today? Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come before you, and we get it. We get that this maturity thing is a big deal. And, and, and if we spoke with you honestly today, we would have to say, many of us in this room, by now, by the time I've been a Christian this long, I ought to be further. I, I ought to be more mature in my walk. I, 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 I probably should be teaching others what Jesus has done in me, and I should look a whole lot more Christ-like by now. And God, I'm just going to ask that the people of Cornerstone would be by now people, that we would be able to answer that question and say, no, 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 I am, I am so on track. I, there is nothing that Christ has put before me. There's no challenge God has, and my answer has been yes. I, I have followed exactly along with his plan, and I'm where he always hoped I would be by now. God, that people in this community, when they talk about churches, even if they don't go to a church, would say, boy, that cornerstone over there, those people, 
those people follow Jesus. God, grow us up. And this we pray in Jesus' name.